Welcome. Thank you for joining us Hello. for the 32nd Sunday in Ordinary Time. We are excited that you are he back here with us um, as we break open the readings for this coming Sunday. We'll be accessing the readings from the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops website. That's usccb.org. Feel free to pull up the readings and follow along. The first reading is from the Book of Wisdom. Resplendent and unfading is wisdom, and she is readily perceived by those who love her and found by those who seek her. She hastens to make herself known in anticipation of their desire. Whoever watches for her at dawn shall not be disappointed, for he shall find her sitting by his gate. For taking thought of wisdom is the perfection of prudence, and whoever for her sake keeps vigil shall quickly be free from care because she makes her own rounds seeking those worthy of her and graciously appears to them in the ways and meets them with all solicitude. Our responsorial psalm comes from Psalm 63. My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord my God. O God, you are my God whom I seek. For you my flesh pines and my soul thirsts like the earth parched, lifeless, and without water. My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord my God. Thus have I gazed toward you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. For your kindness is greater good than life. My lips shall glorify you. My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord my God. Thus will I bless you while I live. Lifting up my hands, I will call upon your name. As with the riches of a banquet shall my soul be satisfied. And with my exultant lips, my mouth shall praise you. My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord my God. I will remember you upon my couch. And through the night watches, I will meditate on you. You are my help, and in the shadow of your wings, I shout for joy. My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord my God. The second reading comes from 1 Thessalonians. We do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, about those who have fallen asleep, so that you may not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose, so too will God, through Jesus, bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Indeed, we tell you this on the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will surely not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself, with a word of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God will come down from heaven and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, console one another with these words. All right, and our gospel comes from Matthew 25. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins, who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones, when taking their lamps, brought no oil with them. But the wise brought flasks of oil with their lamps. Since the bridegroom was long delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight there was a cry, Behold the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all of those virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise ones replied, No, for there may not be enough for us and you, 
Go instead to the merchants and buy some for yourselves. While they went off to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went into the wedding feast with him, and then the door was locked. Afterwards, the other virgins came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he said in reply, Amen, I say to you, I do not know you. Therefore, stay awake, for you know neither the day nor the hour. We invite you to take a few minutes to reflect on these readings um, and share with your family or friends, uh, but we have done so already, so we will jump right in. I, I, so the first thing that I noticed about the first and second and third readings is how, uh, how much they all actually come together. They fit very well together in a lot of ways. Um, you know, with the book of wisdom of, of, uh, the line of, for taking thought of wisdom is the perfection of prudence and whoever for her sake keeps vigil shall quickly be free from care to, uh, the idea that we'll be caught up with the Lord in the clouds and we will always be with the Lord uh, and the idea of meeting the Lord there. And then with the reading that we have that um, the bridegroom comes out to meet the guests and then takes him with them. So there's a, a Greek word, um, parousia, that is used here. And this actually, N.T. Wright talks about this in the book, Jesus and the Victory of God. And what he talks about with parousia is that it's not just like an invitation like you show up or an invitation the other way of somebody saying, I'm going to come to your house. It's actually like a, a, a meeting of two people, like a procession out to get them, and then you all travel back together, right? So the example that comes to mind for me is when uh, the bishop is coming to All Saints to do Mass. We, ha we, we make sure that the building is clean to an nth degree, we give a parking spot for him. We reserve a spot. Somebody goes out and meets him when he gets into the parking lot. Somebody walks with him to the vesting sacristy. I mean, it's it's a different kind of meeting than just we're going to meet you. Um, and so what I what I I guess with these three readings, what I'm really looking at is that idea, that type of hospitality, um, and how throughout wisdom and throughout Paul's letter to Thessalonians and the idea uh, of this parable is that. God will meet you there, but you've got to put some effort in to get there as well. Um, so that, that kind of stood out for me. I think it's that, that hospitality that you referred to, but I think it's, for me, um, in looking at these readings, um, in that first reading of wisdom, like wisdom being personified, and we look at wisdom of thinking like, you're really intelligent and like you've lived, you've had lots of experiences and, you know, of the sort. Um, but I think we look and I kind of look through the lens of, of confirmation and the gift of, of wisdom um, and like seeing seeing the world as God does um, and, and looking of, of that sort and being prepared for what's what's coming um, and how do we not necessarily how are we pre preparing things physically but like how are we preparing our, our hearts and our souls um, for for Jesus coming because we really, I mean, we discussed it some last night with the young people of like, what would we do if we knew we only had a limited amount of time left? Like what, what spiritual preparation would we go through? Um, and like, what on earth would we do, you know, um, physically? But I think it's also the hope that's provided 
through that. And we know Jesus is coming again. And so we're able to live in such a way because we know he's coming um, and through that hope that we're given. Yeah, I do think it's interesting, um, the, the book of wisdom, just the way that it was, was gathered is something that's kind of interesting historically. Um, that the idea was that 70 Jewish elders went to Alexandria to talk about the wisdom of the Torah and in doing so also started writing some of these other books um, that we have but the idea that even some of our early church fathers like Ignatius of Antioch and Justin Martyr actually took this reading from wisdom uh, and replaced the the word wisdom and the, the pronoun of her as wisdom for Jesus um, and so when you talk about like the personification of those things that you know when you look at resplendent and unfading is Jesus and he is readily perceived by those who love him and so on and so on and how it breaks down you know we, we know that the Old Testament is, is just a, a prefigurement of Jesus in a lot of ways so looking at that context of the Old Testament and the book of wisdom and saying Jesus in the place of some of those things is, is pretty neat yeah, I've also heard that with the Holy Spirit throughout the Book of Wisdom and the Psalms and some other places as well that um, wherever it says wisdom can be easily replaced by the Holy Spirit um, which is just kind of an interesting way to see the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament kind of where you know because God the Father is obviously very much present and God the Son you can see him throughout things but uh, it's cool finding kind of that particular spot that you know, kind of pertains to the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament um, Yeah, the, um, also the second reading, um, I mean, of course it goes along with the other ones, like you said, the, all three of these go along very well with each other. Um, but I just love the way that it approaches um, kind of how Christians should approach things. It's, you know, we have faith that Jesus has made this promise, and because of that, we don't have any reason to grieve not that we you know can't not that it's wrong to do so obviously we do even Jesus wept when Lazarus died but um, you know that it's it shapes everything that we think and everything that we do that Jesus is coming back and that he is he has made this promise of eternal life to us um, it changes not just what's going to happen in the future but it changes what should happen now it changes the meaning of what happens now and what already happened in the past Chelsea was saying with, you know, how do we prepare for, for that happening, you know, in different ways, on different levels. Um, it's also, you know, how can we reevaluate the things that are happening, the things that have happened um, in the light of this awesome thing that is to come? Because it may not change what happened, but it may change what it means for people to have died or for people to have been suffering. Um, that Jesus has made this promise changes everything. Uh, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, I also know this reading, I think, because this is where N.T. Wright actually talks about uh, the parousia. Is some of our Protestant brothers and sisters refer to this as the rapture. Like, that this is the reading to go to to really look at, like, the, I don't know if you guys remember the, the old uh, Kirk Cameron left behind movies and things like that, right? But like, half the people are going to disappear from the earth, almost like Thanos, right? Right. Um, <laughs> 
But, right, so the idea here is, again, it's not that there's going to be, like, this rapture experience of people being taken away and, and they're going to magically disappear. The idea is we're here. We know that we're here. We should be aware of our brothers and sisters that have gone by, on before us. But the passage uh, where it said that uh, the dead in Christ will rise first and then we who are alive who are left will be caught up together and with them in the clouds to meet. That word right there, to meet, that's the that's the parousia verb where we're going to meet Jesus halfway. Well, 90-10, right? He's coming most of the way, but we're going to greet him once he's out there. So this could, N.T. Wright talks about this as the Catholic understanding of this will actually be the second coming, and we will be prepared, which, again, ties in even more to the gospel reading of, being prepared, being ready to make sure that we're we're all uh, ready with our oil for our lamp um, before that happens. So, well, we hope that you are able to enjoy these readings with your uh, friends and family and loved ones. Um, there's always more to to look into with all of these things. I encourage everybody to um, you know find a good Bible commentary to look into these a little bit more. If you're looking for stuff, I know that there's great. Uh, Bible study resources out there if it's Bishop Robert Barron or Brand Petrie or whatever um, you know we, we love that you're able to join us and continue to grow in your faith and understanding of scripture um, and we look forward to talking to you guys again next week <laughs>